Welcome to the Winning Edge Investments Podcast. Winning Edge Investments provides industry-leading horse racing and sports betting tips, ratings and education, enabling you to invest intelligently and treat your betting like a business. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com to learn more about how you can start to supercharge your betting bank immediately. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments. Today we're joined by Vin Cox, the Managing Director of Godolphin Australia. G'day Vin, how are you? Yeah, good morning Brad, I'm going well, and you? Yeah, that's all right mate. Yeah, very well, both in lockdown, so um, interesting times for the race industry as well I guess, isn't it? It is. It's. Um, it's. I mean, obviously, we're getting a little bit used to it uh, these days, which I'd ra- rather we didn't. Rather, we got back to some sort of normalcy. But um, uh, yeah, the industry rolls on. Racing continues. Um, it's tough on all staff across all stables and all participants. But um, but fortunately, we can watch it and enjoy it. So um, yeah, hopefully, that can continue. Yeah, one of the positives the racing industry. Um, firstly, tell us about your role. How did you get into racing um, and into the role at Godolphin? Um, a bit of a long story. Uh, I, I grew up in Central West New South Wales on a on a on a farm, and um, my grandfather and uh, father and uncles were very keen on racing and uh, bred and raced a few horses non-commercially, and um, so that's sort of spawned my interest in racing. And and uh, then off to boarding school, and for lack of something to do, uh, found my head in the form guide, and um, the passion sort of developed and grew from there. And um, soon after leaving school and a stint at university and things like that, I ended up at, at Inglis um, in Sydney and had 15 years there uh, working for Reg Inglis, which was just fantastic. And um, then about eight years uh, working for myself as a, as a bloodstock agent. And then um, I was called from by the Magic Millions crew to come up there and I man, was the managing director up there for um, near on eight years and thoroughly enjoyed that. And then. I got the tab on the shoulder to come across to Godolphin. So now I'm Managing Director of Godolphin Australia and been there just just over three and a half years. So um, it's been a, been a good ride. Must be one of the best racing jobs in Australia, I reckon. Well, there's worse jobs than mine, I can assure you that. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so tell us about your day-to-day role. What does it involve? Oh, look, I mean, it's uh, Godolphin, you know, it's a very big organisation. We have 300 staff. We have 700 odd horses we have seven different sites around the country in new south wales and victoria um so between all of that there's a lot to lot to um to consider um so day to day can vary one day might be heading in the racing side of things and talking to james and the racing team the next day might be around the, the uh, around the, the horses and the stud farm and the stallions and the mares and the yearlings and the weanlings um, and then other days it might be marketing, um, uh, you know, promoting what we do at Godolphin, promoting our stallions through Dali uh, and those sort of things. And then there's a sort of a, um, a political and industry element to it, which obviously Godolphin and, uh, and myself are, uh, as an individual are fairly active in. So um, there's enough to worry about, enough to keep you busy and um, put it this way, I'm not looking for something else to do at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very interesting, uh, multifaceted, I guess. Um, so a lot of people would see the, the Blue Jackets going around at the races day in, day out. How would you describe Godolphin on a global scale and what it does in Australia? Um, Godolphin, obviously we're the probably biggest single entity in the world, no question. Uh, We're massive in Europe, uh, very big and having a very good run in in America currently. 
we've got um, a successful operation in Japan as well and um, and here in Australia we're, we're obviously again the single biggest entity in this part of the world. We're not the biggest by numbers from a stable perspective uh, but certainly the biggest owner um, and our daily operation is uh, equal biggest in, um, in terms of number of stallions that we stand. Um, but um, we're, we're very proud of who we represent and who we work for. Um, we're you know, hugely proud of the success that we've had and, and the quality of bloodstock that, that we get to, to produce at the races and breed with and, um, and our stud farms, they're, they're trophy assets. So uh, it is, it's a high-end operation. We like to operate at the elite level and, and have elite results. So um, that's sort of our mandate and, 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 um, and everyone sort of strives and drives towards that goal. How's COVID changed things on a global perspective from, you know, internationally to Australia, then Sydney to Melbourne? How has it changed how you operate? Day-to-day, uh, -day, not hugely, funnily enough. Um, the ability to move horses around Australia and even indeed around the world hasn't changed. It's more about moving people, um, as we know. And so um, as those restrictions or um, you know, hard borders occur, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, what we haven't been able to do is uh, meet. We're a global entity and uh, the global directors haven't been able to sit in the same room, but um, with things like Teams, um, you know, it's, it's sort of uh, really dismantled that uh, need to jump on a plane and, and, and travel the world and, 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 and meet up. So, you know, you can sit on a Teams meeting and have somebody, as in our organisation, sitting in Kentucky, someone in Japan, someone in Newmarket, England, somebody in Ireland and somebody in Dubai and myself here in, in Australia. And it is as if we are in the same room um, yep. talking about um, the, the things that we need to, to discuss and, and um, work out as a business. Um, just uh, branching out on that with uh, Melbourne Spring coming up and Godolph and usually playing a hand in, in Melbourne, big cup, cup races and the Cox Plate. Will there be any runners Godolph and overseas this year? Or? No, unfortunately there won't be. Um, a few things have conspired against that. Uh, this is the second year in a row that the Godolph and Europe won't have a runner. You've still got nominations for the big races though? Golf in Australia, we've um, we've nominated um, in all the big races, the Cox Plates, Caulfield Cups, Melbourne Cups, etc. You know, we've got a very exciting uh, three-year-old crop coming through. So Caulfield Guineas and um, uh, Golden Roses and, and Flight Stakes, etc. So, um, yeah, no, we're hoping for a, an exciting spring carnival and, and looking forward to it very much. And you've got Zigfield and Colette nominated for the Melbourne and Caulfield Cups. That's correct. Um, it would be a big step up for Ziegfeld from where he sits at the moment, but you know, he's, uh, he's a European bred horse and um, he's, uh, you know, he's got a profile that potentially could get him out to those distances, but we, we're the first to admit that he's, he's got a, he's got a long, long journey ahead of him to get to, to that, that, that really high level of cup racing. Um, and Colette, she's an Oaks winner, so she's a Group 1 winner over a mile and a half, um, an elite performer, and so she's an obvious one for us to um, to nominate for the cup races. Colette is due to run potentially in the uh, Wink Stakes Saturday week or maybe down in the Memsey in Melbourne. We haven't quite decided. She's uh, due to trial over the next few days. Again, she's already trialled once at, um, at Hawkesbury. Um, so we'll just sort of see where she is and, and go from there. And Ziegfeld, he's been racing already. So uh, his next start will be in the Rolling Mile at Hawkesbury. Yep. And you've got Animo nominated for the Cox Plate. Is he the most exciting horse in the stable at the moment? 
Oh, I, th- I think so. You know, his his win in the size produce was absolutely devastating and scintillating. And uh, when they do that, um, you, you're obviously got huge anticipation and excitement uh, for the season ahead. So um, we're we're looking forward to getting him and putting on that on the, mainly on a on a course towards the Caulfield Guineas. Um, and if he gets to the Cox Plate, uh, fantastic. There's not many three-year-olds that. That, that go through that path, and um, it'd be exciting if he was competitive at that level. Would he go on the Golden Rose, Corfu Guineas path? He, yeah, he, he'd certainly, um, certainly Corfu Guineas. Um, Golden Rose, he's he's well and truly uh, being aimed at that, and it's you know the 1400 metre race, Group 1, then off to the Corfu Guineas, which is a, a mile race, Group 1. So, yeah, that's an obvious path. And there's been talk of Everest with him. Is that in the pipeline? Is it... Something you're trying to to achieve, or you sort of? Um... Oh, it's more the public and the punters that are, that yep. are sort of angling that. We're 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 of the view that the the Caulfield Guineas path and is 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 his course, but um, until he steps out in a race course, you're not sure which way he'll go. So, if you were looking for an Everest type at the moment, um, early days, but would it still be trekking, or would you? Oh, he's by far and away our best sprinter. He's he's performed exceedingly well in the last two Everests, and um, you know he, there's no reason for us to deviate from him at the moment. And he's back in work, I guess. Oh yeah, no, he won't he won't appear until La Moya. Yeah. Um, he raced into the into the winter up here in Brisbane, and um, so yeah, he'll be he'll be back he'll be back for the Moya, and then we'll see how he is after that. And uh, Colette, did you say she might go on a? a- Epsom path or? Uh, no, Colette won't. Um, or she could, um, but um, but um, you know, Winks Memsey. Then we'll see where she where she goes. She, yep. In terms of an Epsom, you know, she's probably more suited to wait for age racing these days. Just she's she has performed at that elite level and wouldn't get into um, a handicap mile as well as as well as we'd probably like. Um, so I've got horses like Creadiris that yep. the, and Cascadian that we're aiming on that path. Must be nice to get the weight off the shoulders with uh, Cascadia and getting that group one in the Doncaster. Was he a little bit frustrating for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, all horses can be frustrating. <laughs> and, um, but if we think he's he's really taken that next step and it was a very, very good win in the Doncaster. Jamie Carr rode, rode him brilliantly and uh, then followed up with a, a wait-for-age run that really announced himself as possibly a, a very good wait-for-age horse going forward. So um, we're looking forward to him coming back and, and, like I say, hopefully he really does become that wait-for-age star that we're, we're all looking for. Was there any issues with him or was it just sort of getting no, no, acclimatised into yeah, Australian no, no, racing? He, yeah. His coat was never, he was always sort of dull-coated yeah. horse um, and still is to some degree. Um, but, he, yeah, he's just taking his time and yeah. Um, yeah, the breed tend to be that way as well. So... Um, but no, he's he's well and truly up there these days. So Criderus is your best chance for the Epsom, do you think, at this stage? Oh well, Criderus is a very promising horse. He is a frustrating horse. Um, <laughs> you know, he's racing Pat, and he's you know, he flops out of the machines and looks like he's not, you know, hasn't got out into first gear even. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, he really hits the line very strongly, and um, as a result, he hasn't really uh, hit many good pattern type races at this stage. So. Um, he should get into the Epsom fairly lightly weighted, and on that on that uh, score alone, uh, he sh- he he'd, he'd be very competitive. He's had two trials. You've been happy with him? Yeah, oh yeah, no, he's he's actually trialling better than than we thought. James only made the comment the other day that um, he was delighted the way he's, he has been trialling, the way he's been getting out of the barriers, and and his just general manner and attitude. So, uh, fingers crossed that um, he's he's really stepped 
gone to another level. And you had Trifakia um, step out on Wednesday. Probably didn't lose too many admirers, uh, even though she didn't get the job done. But she's on the thousand guineas path. Yeah, she is. And more flight stakes, thousand guineas. Um, uh, so yeah, we're obviously you like to win every time you go out, and uh, we're disappointed that she didn't win. But uh, it was a good run nonetheless. Sat yep. three deep and yep. sort of facing in a pretty windy, breezy day. But um, she performed well. We've got high hopes for her, and hopefully, hopefully she delivers. Uh, what about ingratiating? Is he somewhat of the forgotten three-year-old in the camp? Well, we haven't forgotten about him. He's a pretty exciting <laughs> horse. We think, you know, he's he, he ran in a blue diamond. He came second with, from a wide gate. He ran third in a, in a, in a golden slipper in a checkered run. He's a very, very exciting horse. He's quite a brilliant horse. He's more brilliant than Animo. Um, and he'll kick off Saturday week in the Vane States. Any big plans for him or...? Oh, we'll see what, what where, where he goes, um, but uh, probably that path in Melbourne um, into the Coolmore would be our primary aim, a Group 1, six furlongs down the straight at Flemington. So uh, races like the Dane Hill um, and the Talender, uh, not the Talender, the um, Dane Hill and I can't think what the other one is, uh, um, straight you know, straight six racing down, down at Flemington. Yep, yep. Mm. And on Saturday, you've got a couple of nice horses in, you've got... Vinello and Larkspur run, and they're both numbered the thousand guineas as well. Yeah, uh, the, um, the Larkspur runs first run back, albeit on a, on a wet track, was was a brilliant win. One was very dominant. Um, we've always had a lot of time for her, and she's a well-bred filly, being by Shamadal, and um, hopefully she can she can uh, win a stakes race on the way through. Is she? absolute top class and, and a group one certainly I, I wouldn't say that but um but if we can knock some black type into her she becomes a very valuable filly and then hello she's she's probably not that level um but she's been competitive and she's a nice filly all the same and happy with viridine coming back to randwick after the fifth in the black chili uh, look viridine's in the twilight of his career and uh he's an old horse but he's a stable favorite he's he's a seriously good looking horse and um, everyone loves him, having him about, but um, yeah, as I say, he's probably uh, got less bullets to fire than more. And what about Paulil and the uh, Rosebud? He's nominated for the Golden Rose in Caulfield Guineas as well? Yeah, well, he's a kindergarten winner and won it very well. Um, and horses that have done that uh, over the last few years have, have really stepped up and um, become, you know, top class performers in their in their three year old year. So um, we're looking forward to seeing him start tomorrow. It's a very deep field and a lot of potential. Um, and potential doesn't isn't always realised. So um, our bloke's done it. Uh, we're very happy with him. J Mac to ride. So. Fingers crossed. Uh, what about handspun and promotions? You've got them in the uh, 1400 meter race, I think it is. Yeah, um, handspun's a very good mare. She's probably going to uh, be in foal by the time, but hopefully, by the time Christmas comes around. Um, and promotions, he's just a good, consistent horse. So um, I'm not suggesting they're they're going to be at the thick end of the spring carnival, but um, but if they can pick up a few races on the way through, it'll be fantastic. Pretty similar profiles for Enflarage and Destination, or have they got a bit more, bit more scope to improve? Do you think? Enflarage um, possibly not, but Destination, he's a, he's a nice sort of horse. That, you know, he's probably lower end black type. You know, Group Three listed type class, maybe squeeze into Group Two level. Um, and you know, he's a again a well-bred horse. He's the son of Exceed, and um, in, in the interest of our Darley arm of the business and, and promoting Exceed and Excel, he's a nice horse to have around. 
Any of um, the runners tomorrow stand out? I know you've got uh, Stalking at Flemington as well. Anything which is... Um, yeah, well, it's funny the... to pick, pick up on her. Um, I asked the team uh, with a view of coming on here today which horse I should, should <laughs> pinpoint and they, they hit on Stalking. So right, um, perfect. So, uh, look, I mean, it, it, she's well-priced. She's in well. Um, so good, good each way. Perfect. All right, mate. Anything we've um, any horses we haven't covered there, which have maybe going under the radar, or ones which I've missed? I think I've tried to touch um, on most. Oh, of them. No, I think that pretty much covers most of them. Um, just checking my list here. I mean, a couple of mares that, that we're fairly excited about that are you know they're they're right there on the fringe of being top level mares like Emanate and Talieu. Um, they'll they'll come through the the mare stakes races in the sprinting sprinting racing. So uh, we're looking forward to seeing them back and. Um, yeah, otherwise uh, unwrapping our two-year-olds and from what the team tell me um, we've got an exciting crop of two-year-olds coming forward so looking forward to getting them on the track. Sounds good mate. Just quickly what's been your f most memorable win with your time at Godolphin and maybe even your favourite horse? Ooh, um, put you on the spot there? Yeah put me on the spot. <laughs> Look I mean I think um, the trifecta in the Golden Slipper was pretty exciting. Um, yep. That was a phenomenal day. Um, so you know it's a it's one of the majors in Australian racing, and to to come one two three and it was was a great result across so many uh, levels. In that you know it's a broad team that got often um, not only the racing side but the breeding side, the stallion side, the marketing arm, you know the gardens team. Everyone sort of uh, contributes something, and it's some of the parts that make the total. And when you get a total of a trifecta in a in a golden slipper, it's pretty special for everyone. So I'd have to say that was a very special moment. Um, and favourite horse uh, in my time, oh, gee, I don't know. No one has a favourite kid, do they? So <laughs> you know, I'd no, I'll say exhilarates. Yeah, because we bought her at Magic Millions in my last year. Uh, I, I was wearing two hats at that particular sale. I was still running Magic Millions at the time and uh, was within a week of starting at Godolphin. So I was uh, part of the buying team at Godolphin that year and we happened to land on, on Exhilarates and 12 months later we, we won the Magic Millions. And um, it was, that was a fun, fun day as well um, in that the Magic Millions team were first out to congratulate us and the Godolphin team were excited. So yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. So Exhilarates. Uh, by, by far and away my favourite horse at this stage. Yeah. Is she retired now or is she still... Yes, no, her? she's been retired from racing yep. and um, we're probably going to send her to Street Boss, the sire of Animo, um, yep. and look forward to getting uh, her her produce on the track. Is there any horses at the, from the Stallion Arm which you're looking forward to seeing their progeny run, like Bivouac or...? Oh, you're always, you're always looking forward to you know, the new horses. This year we're, we're unveiling Impendings and Ribchesters and um, so uh, looking forward to seeing them. But as each season rolls around, we've got new horses uh, to unveil and uh, we've got a very exciting roster and possibly the envy of most stud masters in Australia. And in the last um, three years we've retired, uh, sorry, last two years, we've retired seven individual champions to the roster. Um, which is a spectacular statistic in itself. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, it's a wonderful thing um, to to have these sort of horses that we get to send to our really good brood mares and um, look forward to getting them, you know, on the ground and grow them out and uh, educate them for racing and then uh, finally produce them on the race course. So, exciting times ahead. Yeah, it must be pretty special having them go through the racing game and then through the breeding barn and watching their progeny run, you sort of get to watch them for you know, almost a decade or more. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, yeah. You know, success, uh, it doesn't happen overnight, as I say, and it's not by accident. So, um, as I said before, everyone plays their part. And, and um, when you finally do get to the winning post and, and, and you can celebrate that, it's a, it's been a long journey over there, over that trip. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's fun that, you know, we, we get to celebrate with everyone that's, that, that is there. Uh, that's been a part of that journey and has had some input into the, that that result and success on that day. Yeah, be some more superstars coming through as the next lot of bivouacs and impendings come through. So look forward to seeing how they run on the racetrack. Yeah, it's easier said than done, but, uh, but a lot of hard work. All, it sounds like. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. why we're all there. We're all looking for the next superstar. Yep. Um, so uh, hopefully, there's there's plenty more to come. Fantastic. All right, Vin. Well, thanks for your time, mate, and good luck with the horses this spring. Good luck with the horses tomorrow, and uh, best of luck in the future. Good man, no problem, Brad, anytime. At Winning Edge Investments, our team of highly skilled expert analysts and full-time professional punters review the data, crunch the figures, assess the best betting opportunities, and deliver them to your phone via our app and your email inbox in real time so you profit. Go to www.winningedgeinvestments.com. Look at our membership options. Make your choice and enter the promo code PODCAST to receive a special 25% discount on your first membership just for listening. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T in capital letters for a 25% ongoing discount on your first membership. Treat your betting like a business and invest intelligently with Winning Edge Investments.